17,386,900. I just want you to remember that number. We're going to circle back to it in a little bit. That was 17,386,900. And I want to start by saying the gospel story is an amazing and powerful thing. The sacrifice of Jesus is something that brings life and hope. And it brings that life and hope into the hearts of those that put their acceptance and belief into it. Yet sadly, it is a message that we deliver, but as with any message, it can be twisted or translated poorly. And Christianity hasn't always brought the nicest things into the world, and the reason for that is simple. It's because of sin. We are broken and sinful people, and yet we are left to teach the most important topic and relay the most important message that there is. And not all people care to do it correctly or selflessly. There have been a great deal of people that throughout history have used Scripture for their own gain or their own power. And I think one of the worst examples that I'll talk about today is Hitler. Hitler actually had a disdain for the institution of religion as a whole, but instead of just getting rid of it completely, he decided to twist the Christian message that was being proclaimed within Germany. The Nazi party actually created a special group whose sole purpose was to systematically alter scripture, and they started by just completely removing the Old Testament. And then they proceeded to heavily modify the New Testament. What they did is they pulled out everything to suit their liking and removed any Jewish influence within Scripture. They went so far as to alter Jesus into an Aryan figure who actually persecuted and fought against the Jews. And these kind of alterations are what helped fuel the aggression of the Nazi party against any group they deemed inferior. And what was the extreme consequence of these false teachings? We can get back to that number because the new estimates show that the Nazi party was responsible for the deaths of roughly 17,386,900 people. And that doesn't include the deaths of any soldiers in battle or anything like that. That is just the people that they persecuted, sought out, and killed. And this is historically one of the most extreme examples, but certainly not the only one. Second Peter 3.16 says, As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. And now I would certainly say that Hitler falls pretty heavily into that unstable category that he's talking about there. But it says that there's another group that even the ignorant can twist scripture. And the truth is that most of the people that, des that destroy what the Bible teaches are not so obvious about going about it as Hitler. The truth is that you've most likely encountered people that fit into the role of false teachers and you didn't even notice it. And thankfully you're here today, though some that have come across those false teachers were not able to be rid of them so easily.
1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars who consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, I know what's going through your head. If someone came across a person who was twisting scripture, why would they follow them? And that can be answered through another scripture. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen through 15. And no wonder, for even Satan... No, sorry. Yeah. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness... And their end will correspond to their deeds. Honestly, if someone is deceiving you, I doubt they'd want you to know that they're deceiving you. They would probably go through great lengths to keep that pretty hidden from you. And I'm sure they would act like they're only trying to help or do what's best for you. But one question still remains. If someone was actively deceiving you and they knew that they were doing it, well then why? Why would they want to do that? Well, why do we allow sinfulness to dictate any of our actions? Because we think there's something in it for us, some form of gain or pleasure to be had. Matthew 23, 1 through 12, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts, and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees are a great example of religious leaders seeking nothing more than gain and status. They wanted the best seat at the table. They wanted to be recognized in public. They wanted to be addressed by lofty titles. They wanted gifts and admiration. And they didn't care about lying or misleading others to get all of those things. And it is mind-boggling the extent to which people can deceive and manipulate, even openly denying God without it being noticed. 2 Peter 2, 1-3 through But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Going back to that concept of us being broken people, It can be hard for us to outright see the deception that is before us. Luckily, that is never an issue for God. 
if we continue in Second Peter, we can see that it says, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. God does not withhold punishment from those that deceive, but also he does not withhold punishment from those that follow the deceptions. And if we know anything, it's that God is always aware. There is certainly no deceiving the Lord. You think that people that twist the scripture would know that because they at least have to read the Bible to know how to twist its words. The unfortunate downside is that those that are being deceived don't really have that luxury all the time because some people are completely content to follow deception without even doing any reading themselves. Yet punishment will befall them all the same. I know that it does not seem fair for punishment to be laid out on the victims of people who are deceiving and twisting Scripture. But the truth is that it's completely just. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, through 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. People will actively pursue the things they want. And whether they know those things to be sinful or not, it doesn't matter because they are still giving in to that sin and turning away from God. Just look at the attitudes in today's culture. One of the main concepts in society today is that if you don't like something, find something that suits you more, that better fits your needs. And this has so many applications from TV shows and friends, all the way to marriages and religion. If you don't like it, find something that makes you feel better. And of course, there is a time and place for that kind of thinking. You shouldn't be living a life void of joy. God himself wants us to enjoy the gifts he gives us in this world. But when it comes to God, there kind of has to be a sense of discomfort that we have to accept. And that's because that discomfort is the knowledge of our own sin. And it's important to accept that we have a sinful nature and we can't overcome it on our own. Now we're left with how we overcome false teachings and live a life reflecting God. In our lives, we have to actively pursue godly teaching. And that process can be really difficult. There's a lot to understand in Scripture and 
and there are many people that want us to believe in their ideals rather than in God's. Romans 16, 17 through 20 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now this scripture here is within Paul's last bit of teaching in Romans. And he is expressing what he wants the Romans to be like. And so he uses the words, be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And that idea of being wise as to what is good you know, that makes sense. It wouldn't really surprise anyone. We're called to know the good, to focus on the good, to think about the good. That's one of the forefront things in our, in our minds. And when you talk about anyone, a lot of people always say, hey, you just got to remember to do the right thing or do the good thing or be a good person. It's that second concept there that can be a lot more difficult. To be innocent as to what is evil. J.B. Phillips says it well in his paraphrase, I want, you to, I want you to be experts in good and not even beginners in evil. We don't even begin to know evil. We are truly innocent of it. And honestly, to me, that's a, that's a crazy concept because I know way too much of the ways of this dark world and the ways of depraved humanity to be innocent of evil. It's from the shows I watch on TV, the movies I stream, even the things I read. I am very versed in evil because of the ways of this world. So how can I claim to be innocent? The gospel saves me. It saves me from my non-innocence. It saves me from myself. It saves me from not being able to follow this command perfectly. Both the positive command to be wise as to what is good and the negative command to be innocent as to what is evil can never be followed perfectly. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. We don't have the ability to do it. And that is why we need the gospel. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul doesn't just leave us with the commands. He leaves us with how these commands will be fulfilled that the God of peace will crush Satan. He is the one who gives us victory and defeats the enemy. But he uses us in the process. It will be our feet that crush Satan. When we follow through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is crushing Satan under our feet. When we choose Christ over the ways of the world, God is crushing Satan under our feet. And God does this through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But how can we truly determine the difference between someone who is teaching us biblically and someone who is teaching us false truths and blasphemy? It's actually not as hard as you might think. Acts 17.11 Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining scriptures daily, to see if these things were so. 
It's plain as day. We have to read Scripture for ourselves. And this passage right here, he's teaching people Scripture, but they're not just listening to what he's saying. They are going to that Scripture and examining it and making sure what he's saying lines up with what they're reading and what is true. We cannot allow our faith and belief to be dictated by what others say, but only through our time in Scripture and with God. We have to be praying for discernment to understand Scripture and wisdom to continuously look to that Scripture for guidance in our lives. Now, I can stand up here and keep speaking, and you can keep listening to all the words I have to say, but that kind of goes against the purpose that I, and the point I'm trying to make today. I want to urge each and every one of you to go be in Scripture for yourself today. It's not just listen to this message and go home and say, hey, I went to church, I heard God's word, I'm more knowledgeable in it, that's enough for me. No, make sure what I'm telling you is true right now. Go look at all these verses that I have read. Reread them. Make sure it has a scriptural basis. Be in that scripture for yourself. Don't just listen to what I have to say about it. And if you haven't accepted Christ in your life yet, I want to urge you to read anyway. Don't be afraid to pick up the Bible and look at what God says. To be the sacrifice that Jesus laid out for you so that you do not have to suffer with the false teachers and those that turn away from God and toward their sin. I want you to read it for yourself so that you can accept that Jesus has done for you with an even greater appreciation because you know you have a relationship with him through his word in scripture. That's the greatest thing. When you're in scripture for yourself and you're spending time with God, it's not just going and sitting down and listening to what someone else has to say about it and listening about their relationship with God. You're developing your own relationship with the Lord, with the person that brings you salvation. So let's go from here today knowing that when we look to Scripture itself as our guidance, not only was Jesus triumphant over death and sin, but we are also triumphant through him. Join me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this time to go over Scripture, to be in your Word. We just pray that you would give us that passion to be in that Word all the time, in our free time, to be spending time looking at Scripture, knowing what you have to say to us. And we pray that you would give us the wisdom and discernment to understand those Scriptures, to truly pull your knowledge that you want us to have. And we just pray that we would be able to listen to other people speak and that you would give us the wisdom or discernment to follow up on what they're saying, to not just listen and go home, but to do the research ourselves, to make sure that what we have just been taught is biblical and true through you, that we wouldn't just sit idly and allow your word to be pushed on us, but that we would actively seek your word and know it for its truth. God, I pray that everyone here today would have that fire to just go and read scripture. Amen.